everyone. Welcome back to Generation Invincible, a podcast on public health, healthcare policy, and social justice issues by millennial for millennials, and anyone else that cares about the health and social problems facing our nation. I'm your host, Abigail Miller. You guys know that I get super excited about about Generation Invincible's interviews, and this episode is no exception, since today you'll hear me have a chat with the senior online editor of Women's Health Magazine, Caitlin Aber. As part of her job with Women's Health, Caitlin produces a podcast called Uninterrupted, which every week brings in super interesting and intelligent guests to talk about a variety of women's issues. This is by far one of my favorite podcasts, as it not only inspires me for my own, but inspires me to be a healthier and all-around better woman. Caitlin was previously the issues editor at MTV News, as well as the managing editor of MTV Act. Before that, she freelanced for a variety of outlets, including Hello Giggle and XO Jane. Aber received her undergraduate degree from Hofstra University in 2006 and a master's in media studies from the New School in 2011. So settle in with some coffee, tea, water, or wine, whatever you fancy, and enjoy. Hi, Caitlin. Welcome to Generation Invincible. Hey, Abby. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for taking the time to come on the show today. Absolutely. So I usually begin by asking my guests to just tell my listeners a little bit about themselves, um, like how you got to where you are, your passions, your hobbies, whatever you feel like you want to share. Sure. So I am Caitlin Aber. I'm the senior online editor of Women's Health. Um, I got here by really, I, I'm, I'm a writer. That's more of what I do than anything else. And I started out in the digital online space, like many writers do, as a freelancer, um, working for Hello Giggles and XL Jane, and you know, I did copywriting for um, businesses, and I worked in advertising, and I've always had a passion for social justice as well. Um, and I saw this job posting at MTV a while back um, for their now defunct blog, MTV Act, and so I went through a lengthy process there and became the associate editor of that site. And it was just an amazing experience. Um, my boss there at the time was just a really supportive, wonderful manager. Um, she and I are still very close. And from there, I transitioned to work for the main MTV news site, um, covering and editing and managing their political and serious news team. And then I made the transition over to Women's Health. Um, which is, I wanted to focus more on women's issues, which are and always will be my biggest passion. Um, and so here I cover everything from serious news, reproductive health care, um, you know, things that really impact women's lives. And that helped me develop the idea for the podcast I host and produce called Uninterrupted, which is conversations with all different types of women, everyone from Ariana Huffington to women on the ground in front of the Supreme Court, um, you know, fighting for reproductive justice. So it's been an amazing experience. We started in February. We are wrapping episode 24 uh, this week. So it's been busy, um, but it's been 
more than I could have ever expected. I didn't think that this would be the year I met Ivanka Trump or this would be, you know, um, the year I met Ariana Huffington. So it's been wild to have those experiences. Um, so I host and produce it uh, pretty solo, but I have a, a small team here that helps me out and it's a labor of love. So that's why I am what I do. Yeah, I mean, as you know, Uninterrupted is by far one of my favorite podcasts besides my own. (laughs) And you definitely really, um, when you were with MTV, you really showed your talents and um, abilities because you, from what I've seen online, you uh, won some awards when you were sort of managing some of their um, content. We did, yeah. We won a Webby Award. Um, And, you know, we we really wanted to find ways to talk to millennials. I'm a millennial, assuming you're a millennial. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, we, ha- we ha- speak our own language and we have our own interests and we're smart. You know, I think that that is something that people underestimate about us, but we're really smart. So we wanted to come up with ways to really address important issues in a way that wasn't talking down to our audience. So that was one of the things I was most proud of. Well, I definitely feel the same way because that's sort of my goal on my podcast as well. Yeah, you definitely do a great job of that. Thank you. Um, So what is your job like a senior editor of Women's Health and what's your favorite part about it? So my day-to-day job really varies um, depending on whether it's more of a podcast day or more of a website day. But generally what it is is I am working with a lot of freelance writers to come up with stories. I cover everything from relationships to politics to breaking news stories. So anything that's coming across my desk, I help the writers develop their stories. I edit for language and I build the sites, um, you know, I build the stories in the CMS. And so that is a lot of desk work. Um, so some days I'm, I'm totally, you know, glued to my chair. Um, but other days, if it's podcast day, um, we're now recording at CBS Studios in Rockefeller Center. So, you know, I might be there. Um, I might be scripting. I might be recording in my closet, if need be. <laughs> so, um, you know, it varies day to day. Um, which I like. I am one of those people who doesn't like to be in the office all day. So um, I like a little bit of variety in that respect. Um, And my favorite part about it is um, really, I think, like, building a great story, um, whether it's for the podcast or the website, um, you know, working with a writer to develop her voice and, you know, get a message out that maybe people wouldn't expect from women's health or maybe they would and that's why they always come back to the site. But something that we're really proud of um, and I think that, like, it shows when we worked really hard on something and that makes me super happy. Yeah, that's. De- I feel like that's definitely the, the goal of the hour is to, um, you know, have have a goal in mind and really work hard at it, and you you certainly do that. So kudos. Thank um, you. <laughs> you're welcome. So as a longtime proponent of feminism in your writing and your work in general, what do you think are the implications of the 2016 election on women's health and women's rights? I mean, it couldn't be more serious. <laughs> I think that that I, I'm laughing. Because, you know, you can't see my face. It's kind of like a, a a little crazy. But, you know, I think they're just, Donald Trump just can't be president. I think that that is, will be so detrimental to women, so detrimental to folks who are marginalized, whether they're people of color, whether they're people with disabilities, um, you know, and especially women. And it seems like we have this 
juxtaposition between Hillary Clinton, who represents, you know, maybe not everything that everyone loves about women, but she is a powerhouse. She has the credentials. She has a great voice. She's a proven leader. And then we have Donald Trump, who is a buffoon, (laughs) Um, you know, who has a lot of failed businesses, who has had sexual, you know, assault claims made against him. You know, we have this person who is the polar opposite. And I think you can't look at these two people and say, like, oh, as a woman, it's a good idea to vote for Donald Trump. That's just not the case. And, you know, I think that as far as uh, the women's health aspect of it, Hillary Clinton is making major strides. She's talking about overturning the Hyde Amendment. She speaks out, you know, for Planned Parenthood, not against it. She knows that in order for women to be healthy, they need to have things like paid leave, um, you know, built into not just their jobs, in the government, we need to say that that is mandatory. And then, of course, things like equal pay, you know, so that they can afford everything that costs to be a woman um, in our country. So I think, you know, it's it's not just about, you know, him versus her, but really it's about, like, the lives we want to leave, we want to live, and then the ones we want to leave for our daughters to live as well. I agree 100%. I mean, <laughs> I can definitely say I'm with her. Huh. Um, (laughs) but um i definitely think that her campaign has been pretty indicative of the the gender gap in the sense that she's called out for things that a man wouldn't be so so heavily criticized for and that she i mean it's unfair but and people don't get that but i think you know maybe with the right people that that there will start to be understanding of of the differences and um, and, and that sort of thing. So so what do you think is the greatest barrier to women's access to comprehensive healthcare today? Um, (laughs) that's a loaded question. You know, Mm -hmm. I think, I think that there's a lot of, I mean, it's a great question because, um, it has many answers. And I think the biggest answer is misogyny, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. whether that is misogyny based on religious beliefs, misogyny based on, um, medical information that's untrue. Um, you know, the biggest barrier is poverty. Um, it is that we don't respect women's choices. Um, you know, there's many aspects to it. Ultimately, it comes down to men thinking that they can make decisions for women and that they should be making decisions for women because they, we can't be trusted to make our decisions for ourselves. And we need to fight that um, both at, you know, a government level and then at an interpersonal level. Um, men and boys need to be taught at a much younger age to respect women and our bodies and our autonomy. Um, not, you know, is a, is a fundamental truth. I'm right there with you. I mean, some of my favorite articles that I've read about sort of changing the, the rape culture in the United States have to do with educating men at a young age or boys at a young age like about what is the appropriate way to have a relationship, whether it's physical or just emotional with um, a girl or a woman. So, um, yeah. And not just women that you want to have a relationship with women. You don't even know, you know, um, women that, you know, the, the way men talk about celebrities or, you know, actresses, or, you know, all of these things like, you know, allow for a culture where women are not respected. Yeah. So sort of um, playing off that and speaking of that, how do you feel about the Supreme Court banning Texas's HB2 law? And what do you 
what do you see as the sort of impact on women's health in the future that that's going to have? I am thrilled, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Um, You know, I think uh, I saw a few documentaries about the trap laws and, you know, one thing that really struck me was all of the hardworking men and women at these clinics who were fighting every day just to do their jobs. And I really commend those people um, because those are the true heroes and all of this people on the ground actually doing the work. Um, I am not cautiously optimistic, I would say. I, I, I think that, you know, unfortunately, as women gain more power um, in whatever that means, there'll always be people who are fighting to the nail to take it away from us. So we always need to be on guard. We always need to be aware of laws that are coming down, um, bills that are being passed that will slowly strip away our rights. Um, And I think that that's why it's so important to know what your state is doing, you know, on the federal level to understand, you know, how it's going to impact your life um, and the lives of your friends. It's just something that every woman needs to pay attention to. I absolutely agree. I mean, as you know, I live in Georgia and that's not necessarily the best state for women's health and women's rights, but I'm always, always keeping track of what's happening and what's going on. And I think that, especially with the upcoming election, the most important thing is to just be an educated voter and understand the issues and know who's going to be on your ballot when you go to that polling place or even just registering to go to the polling place. Um, Absolutely. So... Uh, I loved your most recent episode of Uninterrupted, where you had Christina and Ariana Huffington, and you spoke about the importance of sleep, which is sort of a different, you know, not a, not yeah. necessarily um, specifically about women, but it is there is such a strong culture of you know working long hours, and you don't need sleep, and it's it's a luxury that not everyone should have. And I just think that that is a huge health issue that does affect both men and women and myself as I'm someone who needs definitely eight hours. <laughs> Me too. So um, going off that, what do you think is another health problem, either nationally or globally, that you think isn't getting enough attention for how serious it is similar to um, the importance of sleep? So there's a number of you know important issues that are you know directly... become from the culture that we live in, which, you know, as far as the work culture was created by men, right? So Mm -hmm. you have things like, um, yeah, like, you know, sleep isn't important. You can work until 11 o'clock at night and then come in at 7 o'clock the next morning and that's fine. That's not fine. But other things like the idea of paid leave, you know, um, there are women who go back to work two weeks after giving birth. That's unacceptable. And that's because we live in a culture where men are like, what's the big deal? Um, so as more women, you know, gain power in offices, we need to make it more friendly culture for women. We need to change the culture as we gain these roles. That's part of our responsibility um, in these positions of power. So we need to say, okay, you know, I don't need to sacrifice my health in order to do my job. If a job asks me to do that, that's not a good job for me. Um, and I'm not going to make other women, like, work in this system. So I think looking at how our culture of work like impacts our health is very important because it doesn't just mean that you know you go to work and you're tired you come home and you also don't take care of yourself I think alcoholism is a huge problem Mm -hmm. um, that isn't addressed isn't talked about enough because we think it's fun you know Um, but I think that 
there's a serious issue when most people are going home and drinking every night. <laughs> so, um, you know, and I think we don't, we don't look at, uh, we're not introspective enough all the time because everything moves so fast, but it is important to take a step back and say, am I really happy? Mental health is a huge issue. Um, in our country, obviously we don't really understand what it means to be mentally healthy. Um, and you can be, you can have mental illness and be healthy. These things like aren't opposites. So I think it's very important that we slow down a little and we address our lifestyle, um, and its impacts on our health. Yeah. So, I mean, there is this like fast paced environment and like you said, it's, it was created by men and it isn't conducive to getting enough sleep and it isn't conducive to any sort of self-care at all. So, um, as most of my listeners are millennials or young professionals, what kind of advice would you give to young professionals who are trying to make a difference or at the very least make a career in this sort of like volatile and cutthroat environment? Take care of yourself, I would say. <laughs> and that's, and it sounds, it's much harder uh, to do than it is to say. But I think, you know, find people to work with who care about you, um, who don't just see you as, you know, employee number 62, um, and who, you know, you can say, like, listen, uh, something personal came up, I have to take a day off. And you can't do it all the time, obviously, but you shouldn't feel like you're going to get fired for doing it if you need to. Um, you know, those people are out there. There's more of them than you think. And also in many of your contracts and many, um, you know, when you get hired, a lot of that's just in your paperwork. So read that and find out, you know, how many paid sick days you have and take them, you know, find out, um, you know, if you have a mental health day and take it, you know, don't try to be a hero. Just do the best. You're the only person you're competing against is yourself and just do the best for you. And, you know, and then find out what really makes you happy. You know, I think that we're always told, like, being the most successful person in your field is going to make you happy. You might get there and be like, oh, but I don't have any friends, or I don't have a love life, or I never get to see nature. And, you know, I think it takes, you know, you have to kind of check yourself a couple times a year and be like, is this really what I want to be doing? That's super important. Yeah, I definitely agree, just because a lot of times, um, like, millennials sort of, they go to college, they pick a major and they're like, oh, well, this was my major and I have to have a career in my major. So I'm just going to buckle down and go ahead and, and, and not question it. But sometimes it is really important to sort of question if you did pick, make the right decision because you're made, you made that decision at such a young age where you didn't really know yourself and yeah. know what you I mean, wanted. Your brain isn't even fully formed until like you're 30. <laughs> so I'm still, so like, I'm still working so, on it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, at a very scientific level, you're not even able to make the best decisions for yourself yet. So understand that, you know, you might totally change your mind. Just like you break up with somebody who you're, you know, not in love with, you might have to break up with your career at some point, you know? All of these things are okay. It's okay to change your mind. I completely and absolutely agree. So, um, sort of switching gears a little bit, what has been the most eye-opening interview that you've conducted on your podcast, Interrupted, so far? That's a great question. <laughs> um, I like to challenge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, eye-opening, I think that the Ivanka Trump interview we did was um, definitely the one I was most stressed about and mm -hmm. then I got there and I was like whoa she's just like a normal person you know and that was 
you know, I, I, I mean, I obviously knew that, but I, it was one of those experiences where I just learned a lot about myself doing it and maybe gained a little bit of empathy for her in some ways. Um, and then, man, I loved the earlier episodes we did, um, one with Renee Bracey Sherman, who's a dear friend of mine, um, you know, where she just read a story she wrote about having an abortion and, um, it just was very personal and very beautiful, and I just loved working with her on it. That's that's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've listened to every single episode, so I don't know which one is my favorite, but I <laughs> I know that I do look forward to every single one. Oh, thank you. So on your show, you always ask your guests to talk about a woman that inspires them. So I thought today I would turn the tables a little bit, since you're the one being interviewed, and ask you the same. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> um, and I say that because, you know, part of my job is finding inspiring women to have on our show. So I'm constantly um, thinking about people. But I'll be, I mean, Renee, who I just mentioned, Renee Bracey Sherman, she is somebody who I am just always in awe of her energy, her compassion, her ability to speak um, so profoundly about this important issue of abortion is just so impressive to me all the time um deborah cleaver has also been a guest on the show she runs vote.org which um as you were saying you know how important it is just to register to vote to begin with you mm-hmm. can do all of that on vote.org um and she just started it up on her own and it's awesome um gosh there's just so many <laughs> going all day yeah, I definitely feel the same way. And I did love that episode because um, you had her and also Erin Schrode. Erin Schrode is a national treasure. I agree completely. <laughs> well, that's all that I have. I'm so, so glad that you were able to come on today. And I think that my listeners are going are really going to enjoy this. And so just thank you so much. Thank you so much, Abby. To submit feedback about Generation Invincible, ask questions, make suggestions for future episodes, or if you just want someone to listen to what you have to say, email generationinvincible at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out Generation Invincible's new Tumblr page. And as always, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Until next time, in the words of former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, There cannot be true democracy unless women's voices are heard. There cannot be true democracy unless women are given the opportunity to take responsibility for their own lives. There cannot be true democracy unless all citizens are able to participate fully in the lives of their countries.